This is episode 58 of the Popcast. Welcome to the Popcast, a weekly podcast all about pop culture in three regular segments. We're your hosts, Josh and Maureen Goldman. Welcome back, everybody. Maureen, how are you? I'm great, honey. How are you? I'm doing well. We went to the fair today. Our local county fair. It was so hot. It was so hot. But I did spend a ridiculous amount of money on playing games. That's not true. You spent $10. I only won one thing, though. Honey, that is not a ridiculous amount of money. People have gone to these things and spent, I guarantee... Over $100? I mean, I don't know. You guys, listeners, let us know. What was the most money you've ever spent at like a fair or a boardwalk where you were trying to win your kid or a friend... So we're talking about we're talking about carnival games here. Yeah, like shoot the basketball or you know squirt the water into the mouth of something and make it move. The games are really hard, and and I know that they're purposefully hard. But man, I really thought I would do better at some of these games. Meanwhile, I was like really impressed that you actually won our son a Paw Patrol toy. The one that I won was a game where you took like a frisbee and you had to ring it around a duck's neck. And I thought I got it a couple times, but the guy running the game, who was a kid, by the way, was very strange. He was like, no, you got to get it below the beak. And so on my last turn, I, I got I got it. I won a prize. And thankfully, they had one Paw Patrol prize left that Caleb wanted, and we got it. Yeah, it was. And Caleb was very pleased. So. And then, unlike in years past, they went 0 for 3 on the basketball game. But otherwise, we had a great time because Caleb had a great time on some of the rides yeah, it was really cute. It's like, you know, at a local community center. and But it's big. It's like there's food trucks and lots of civic organizations were there. And then this like whole carnival set up. So they had like lots of little kid rides and big kid rides, which were not there yet. But... So Caleb's favorite things, I think, were the carousel. Mm-hmm. He liked the police station inside because he got a white balloon. He also really liked what was the one ride where he was driving something, the fire truck, and he was like, oh, he was driving, he was oh no, like he was driving cruising, a Hummer. He was holding Chase with one hand, the Paw Patrol toy for those, and of he you was don't like cruising, like steering the wheel with the other hand. It was really hilarious. Yeah. So if you have a local county fair, we recommend go out and and enjoy it because it is a lot of fun. Just maybe ten degrees cooler would have been nice. Yeah. Should we jump into the snack bag for this week? Let's do it. So our first snack bag topic. I put this on the list because I keep seeing these commercials. Now, Maureen and I don't watch a lot of commercials because we have DVR. Yes, we do still have cable. You can shame us later. But we do have a Hulu account that has commercials. And the couple times we've been watching this, the same commercial keeps coming up. And it's a commercial for Jeep, which is fine. There's a lot of car commercials out there. But this particular Jeep commercial features none other than Jeremy Renner. Mr. Hawkeye from the Avengers, and he was in one of the Bourne movies, you know, famous movie star. That's not unusual either that that actors go in and they're in car commercials. Think of Matthew McConaughey. But Jeremy Renner not only is in these commercials, but I guess he has a song career. He's trying to become a musician. And so not only is he... Give a hard pass to everything that's going on here. Not only is he in the commercials but his own music is playing and he's like dancing like he's, he's dancing, like bobbing he, along to he's it. listening to his own music so the brief snippets i've heard not great it, it it sounds like generic rock if you put that in a lineup with other generic rock songs i could not pick it out as also, anything unique why jeremy renner why because he has a lot of money and he's like well but don't you, know you have enough to do like come on you don't need to like take over another market i assure you he will not be taking over (laughs) another market yeah no it's not great but i just find it so funny that he's in the commercial as an actor 
Then he is listening to his own music in the commercial in the Jeep. And there are some parts of the commercial where he is then performing as a musician in the commercial. It's like triple threat Jeremy Renner that we didn't need. We'll, we'll link one of the commercials in the show notes so you can see it. But I just had to bring this up. It's, it's so ridiculous. Yeah, totally agree. Jeremy Renner, stick to acting alone. All right, our next snack bag topic. You may have heard that on the heels of a live action Aladdin, the live action Lion King, Disney is already prepping their next live action movie. They're going to have Mulan next year, but they're in the midst of casting The Little Mermaid. They've already cast the it's person be playing so weird. Ariel. We thought Lion King was weird. This is going to be weirder. It's going to be weird. They extended an offer for someone to play Prince Eric, the male lead. I guess he's the lead. He's not a lead. Yeah, he's the love interest. He's, he's a like love the love interest, one- but... He doesn't have a huge part compared to Ariel. The second half of the movie when she's human and she's walking around, it's all with him and she can't talk. So he's got to be doing it. Okay. So he has a big part. They extended the role to Harry Styles of former One Direction fame and he turned it down. This makes no sense to me. I mean, I don't think the movie's going to be great, but the movie's going to make boatloads of money. So what are you doing, Harry Styles? Come on. It's not like you're doing anything else either. I feel like he wants to get away from the singing while acting because the only acting role I'm aware that he's done, he had a small part in Dunkirk, which was the Christopher Nolan World War II movie. Was he good? Yeah, he was fine. It definitely wasn't flashy in any way, but he did a good job. And I feel like he doesn't want to just associate himself with, with musicals because he can sing. But I think this is a total missed opportunity. I mean, it's Disney. It's Disney. He's going to make a ton of money. They're also going to try to do a really good job. It's going to be weird, but it'll be a good production. Like, there will be a high production value. I feel like it would be a good springboard for him for other projects. But, you know, this leaves a door open for Mr. Zac Efron to play Prince Eric. Could he do it? I mean, I I think he could. I He's a little goofy. Is he too old? The person they cast as Ariel is pretty young. I think she's in her early 20s. So he's, like, in his early 30s. Is well, he? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He's also kind of short. Does that matter? I mean, he was opposite of Zendaya, and she's young. That's true. In, what was that, The Greatest Showman? Yeah, now she's playing like a high school sophomore in Spider-Man. In Spider-Man, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, so Zac Efron, any, anybody else you can think that could play Harry Styles? Maybe Jake Gyllenhaal? No, definitely No, what, what did I just say? Anybody else who can play <laughs> Harry Styles? Anybody else who can play Prince Eric? I knew what you meant, but Jake Gyllenhaal's too old. He's too old to play if Prince Zac Eric? If Zac Efron is too old, Jake Gyllenhaal, like, I don't know how old he actually is, but he's, he's almost 40, like, I think. 10 years older, yeah. Okay, anybody right, else who think, can let sing, let think, let think. who can act, who can play Prince Eric? He has to be conventionally handsome. Let's think outside the box here. Who could it be? We got nothing. Mm, well, you just you're asking me this question on the fly. I need to think about it. Maybe I'll revisit next week if I okay, come up with so anyone. Okay, so if good. any at any point during the rest of our conversation during this podcast, you think of someone who could play Prince Eric, let me know. And if not, we'll we'll discuss it next week. Who we? My think. mind is going to Greatest Showman and to like the young kid, like the kid who played Hugh Jackman, but he's like goofy looking. He's also like ten. <laughs> <laughs> well, you asked for younger. I don't okay, think he's not that 10. Young. We need someone in between. Maybe maybe they cast an unknown, but they're probably not going to. What about a Jonas brother? Huh. Nick Jonas could do it. He's relatively young. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. He, he doesn't... I mean, he... Uh, okay, maybe so. He was on Broadway. No, I think he could perform it. I just don't know if he's the right look that people are going for. He'd have and... to grow his hair out. Yeah. Maybe like bulk down a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I vote Jonas. Jonas. Little little Nick Jonas. All right. That's a good choice. Yeah. Who's the Who's the bonus Jonas? Let's give him a chance. <laughs> I don't know his Frankie. name. Frankie Jonas. L- what about okay. Josh Groban? He'd be the nerdiest Prince Eric. He's ever. also he's he's in the Jake Gyllenhaal too old camp. Mm. Okay. I think your Jonas brother suggestion is a good one. 
Bieber. Can he act? Could, I mean, I don't even act? know if he sings anymore. I don't know where he is, but. Yeah, what happened to him? Well, well, let's do a follow-up on Bieber in a couple weeks. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'll mark that down. All right, let's move on to our last snack bag topic. I saw this article, and I was not aware this was happening at all, which is surprising because Warren and I are pretty tapped into theater. But apparently there is a musical based on Princess Diana. I guess it's going to be about her and the love triangle between her and Prince Charles and Camilla. Was that her name? Camilla. And then Princess Diana dated Dodi Fayed. Is that his name? Who? That was her boyfriend. Okay. That aside, they're making a musical about her life. And the thing that I wanted to ask you is, is this a good idea? I mean, she was... I think so. I would see it. She was one of the most famous It'll be original music and there's not like... You know, it's obviously her real life, but this isn't like a, oh, we've already seen the movie and read the book and now we're making it a musical. Like this is, it would be original. Couldn't they do a story like this that doesn't revolve around such a famous person who had such a tragic end? Yeah, but I think the reason... You think people are going to see it because it's about Princess Diana? Exactly. Have they done one about Marilyn Monroe? Didn't they do one in Smash? What was it called? Oh, they certainly (laughs) did. Bombshell? That that TV show Smash had a fake musical about Marilyn Monroe. Here's the thing about a musical about Princess Diana. It just feels like a little bit exploitative. We weren't of the age where she was like, I don't remember her being humongous. Do you? I remember when I remember the day that she passed away because I was on vacation with my dad at the beach and he like woke me up to like tell me the news. It was like a big deal. Right. But what I'm saying is like we weren't of the age where we were like tapped into the tabloids and all the news articles like we were young at that time. Yeah. It's just to me like I, I don't know who this musical is for if it's for people who are 10 to 15 to 20 years but older I would than still us. still see it. I think there's a lot of like allure about her and she's this beautiful you know i don't know i would see it i think it's interesting i don't know why for some reason i'm just not yeah, you're really like i'm just not this. feeling this at all i don't know if it's the subject matter or if it's just it just feels like couldn't they have done something a little bit more original like instead of basing it on someone's real life who had a very sad end for some reason i'm kind of out on this if the music's good and if it gets good reviews i would be interested but who is gonna play diana the person they cast is jenna dewall she was in Kinky Boots. I can't remember if we saw her do that or if she was in the original mm. cast of that musical. Apparently, it was sold out for its entire run in San Diego when they did the tryout. So it's already moving to Broadway next spring. I'll be interested to read about it, but for some reason, it just doesn't really pique my interest. Well, I'm excited to see it, so we'll let you know. All right, let's move on to our premiere topic this week. I read an article on The Ringer recently where one of their podcasts, they took a look at who they thought were the 50 most popular people in entertainment of all time. And after I read this article, I was thinking through the list and I was like, how did they come up with this? And I thought it might make a good topic for our show if I tweaked it a little bit and we talked about who we thought were the three most influential people in pop culture over the last 10 years. So I kind of took that original thing that I saw and and formed it into this idea. So what we're going to talk about today is Maureen and I's choices for our top three most influential people in all of pop culture. And we'll give a little bit of background on why we think that those people are the most influential. And we'd love to hear your feedback. Like, did we get our list right? Maureen and I have three different people on our list. So we have six people total. 
And we'd love to hear what you think and if you would have anybody else on the list. So Maureen, do you want to start us off or do you want me to start off? Um, I'll go first. Okay. So give me your first one in no particular order. So we're not ranking these one, two, and three. So these are just our top three in no particular order. I actually think my number one is top on, uh, okay. All right. above my other two. But my number one is David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. And they are the creators of the Game of Thrones series on TV. So they're basically the guys who were like, hey, I read this cool book. I'm going to go to HBO and I'm going to make this into a TV show. And however many millions of episodes later, eight seasons later and millions and millions of viewers, I feel like they have they have had an incredibly large impact on culture. The fact that we did an episode a couple of weeks ago where we talked about how people have been naming their children Daenerys and Khaleesi. I mean, the fact that like people are naming there's this whole subculture around Game of Thrones now. And I think that. It's so mainstream that it started to like really affect how people are. I mean, the naming naming your children thing is pretty big. And this is one where I think that everyone's heard of Game of Thrones. Whether or not you choose to watch it, you at least know like the basic premise. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. If you have never, ever watched or seen anyone talk about Game of Thrones, let me know. But I feel like it's been pretty perva- pervasive in our culture over okay the last so i years. think that this is a good choice because they really have permeated the culture in a way that almost no other show in this time period has done in the last 10 years and by that i mean that even if you don't watch a show even if you've never seen an episode you know someone who watches it and talks about it and that is so impressive and in addition to that they were kind of they're kind of like the last show that I can think of that people wanted to watch the second that it came out. So it's one of those shows that came on every week. Right. And you the, wanted to be caught up when you got into the office or into school or into wherever the next day because you didn't want to hear spoilers because everyone was talking about it. And I think the interesting thing is that they didn't create the world. That was George R. R. Martin. But what they did was they made it accessible, accessible. To, to pretty much everybody else. And, you know, people may have different opinions on whether or not they succeeded with the storytelling in the last couple of seasons but but their impact on pop culture is undeniable yeah i mean when when the last season of game of thrones came out and and this is why i think this is a good choice because this built from pretty much 2010 when the show started all the way until now when the show came out you couldn't go to an entertainment website without seeing a game of thrones article so i think that's a good choice should i give you my first one yes okay my first choice is the man, the myth, the legend, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Great choice. Now, I've chosen him for a couple of reasons. So his first Broadway musical happened in 2008. So that was called In the Heights. And I think the time when he won his first Tony Award was 2009. So we're talking the beginning of this last decade. But what he's done since then is not only has he created one of the most recognizable and famous musicals of all time in Hamilton... He's gone on to do tons of other stuff. So he wrote the music for Moana and was nominated for an Oscar. He has worked on multiple award shows and won Emmys. And he's he's everywhere. And I think the other thing about Lin-Manuel... But also how popular Hamilton got. I mean, that also Game of Thrones style. Like, even people who hate theater wanted to see Hamilton or had listened to it. It was one of those shows that, that people who weren't typically going to theater... I don't think there's any other show like it. No. There's absolutely not. You know, we've seen the show. It was better than I thought it was going to be. Like, I had super high expectations, and it exceeded those expectations. I just feel like not only has he done all of that, but he is 
remained an influence in pop culture in ways that you wouldn't have expected. Like he's on Twitter all the time talking about all the great things he's doing. He's standing up for the people in Puerto Rico who were devastated by, you know, natural disasters. And he's using his power of influence for good. And I think that a celebrity who can do all of that and remain one of those people who you're like, I don't really have a bad thing to say about him. The, the I think the thing that most people might say is like, we're seeing a little bit too much of him. Like, okay, can we move on from him? But but there's nothing that he's done that makes you seem like, uh, I, I, I kind of have to cancel Lin-Manuel. No, what you're saying is that he has a strong moral character from what we see. He's a good guy. He seems like a very like, upstanding good person who cares about his family and cares about doing good in the world and i think that that coupled with his unparalleled artistic ability really validates him as a choice here and i will say as one last thing about him if you don't follow him on twitter one of the things he does every morning and every night during the week he doesn't tweet on the weekends he he puts his phone aside to spend time with his family but he tweets like a good morning message and a good night message which actually got turned into a book recently with uh with illustrations by one of his friends who's a who's an artist and they're just like little inspirational messages about how you need to keep going and how you have to believe in yourself and they're just really fun to read in the morning and at night so if you don't follow him on twitter i would highly recommend doing so very inspirational very positive okay maureen give me your second choice so my second and third choices are not in order. Um, I'll just go like isn't they're yeah, not in priority order. My next two are Kate McKinnon of Saturday Night Live fame, and then gone on to star in many motion pictures, and Taylor Swift, who obviously is a mega mega music star. So first, a little intro on Kate McKinnon. The reason that I really picked her was because I think, especially. If you're just looking at impact in the past 10 years, which is what we're talking about, I think that she has become the face of SNL in a lot of ways. And I think that she has kind of stepped into this, not that she's necessarily like following in Tina Fey or Amy Poehler's shoes or or Maya Rudolph, but she's basically gone on to like more stardom, right? So she's come out of Saturday Night Live. She's now this like the funny it girl. She's the funny best friend and everything. She's the one doing the weird voices. She's like the shtick that anytime there's that shtick in a movie, you're like, oh my gosh, it's Kate McKinnon. She's in this one again. You know, she's in Ghostbusters. She's in, you know, spy movies. She's in, what did I just watch her in? Um, The one about the Beatles. The oh, Yesterday. Yesterday. She's just, she pops up everywhere as these kind of like character-y characters. And I think she's incredibly funny. But I also, the reason that I actually picked her is because she is the first open lesbian cast member of SNL. And she's only the third known LGBT cast member of SNL and I think that she's been an incredible role model for other people in that community and I mean she just does a lot of good work around you know understanding and empathizing with people who may not be like you and I just think she's a really great example and I think that it's great for people in the LGBTQ community to see her as a role model and she's had such tremendous success and is legitimately one of the funniest people TV or movies right now. So I just think she's a really unique example. And I think in the past 10 years, she's had a big impact. So the other one I mentioned was just Taylor Swift, which I kind of feel like she needs no introduction. But obviously, she had a lot of success before the past 10 years. But I feel like in the last 10 years, she's really come of age and grown up herself. And I think that her music has kind of transcended genres from like strict country now into like pop she continues to win crazy numbers of awards I like almost every song I've ever heard of hers and I think that she just is a music icon I think she's had a really big impact I think there's really no denying the fact that Taylor Swift regardless of whether you like her music or not she's had 
an immeasurable impact on music. I mean, she is one of the most popular people in the world, and you probably couldn't go 10 feet without finding someone who knows at least who she is. And not to mention the fact that Maureen mentioned that she's won multiple awards, but she's one of the only people to have won Album of the Year at the Grammys twice, which is pretty impressive. And now she's going to be in Cats the Musical. So. Okay, well, that <laughs> if we were doing this in a year, she might have taken a tank in her career because of that. Okay, so I'll give my last two here. I'll start with uh, my second one, and that is Beyonce. I um, had her as an honorable mention on my list. She another person yeah. who has really transcended music and become this icon in pop culture. She has like a following. I mean, like she has- The Bayhive. The Bay, I mean, it's all about Bay. Yeah. So I think the thing about Beyonce is that not only has she released multiple albums, she, in the last 10 years, married Jay-Z and sort of created this power couple with him. I mean, they're, I think their net worth has got to be well over a billion dollars at this point. We talked about on the podcast, she did her your her whole homecoming special, her the, the album and then the, the Netflix special. You know, now she's started to move into things like The Lion King, where she was the voice of Nala. And that casting and her being a part of that elevated the stature of the movie to a place where it wasn't before. So yes, it had very famous voice actors, but to be able to get Beyonce to do something like The Lion King was a huge get for Disney. And that's saying something because Disney is a huge conglomerate. The way that she has sort of like not only affected the music industry, but also affected culture in a way that shows a woman of color can be this powerful and have this much impact is just really impressive. Well, and Beyonce doesn't do it by pretending to be anything other than she what she is. She just owns her power. And I think that that is part of what's really empowering to other people too. One of the other things I wanted to say about Beyonce is that she did all of this stuff. She was able to accomplish all of this stuff while having several kids in this time period. And I think Maureen would be able to speak to this better. But the fact that she doesn't shy away from you know being a mother and that that is really important to her and that she's able to excel in spite of all of that, you know, all of the challenges that come along with that. That's just extra impressive that she's able to do so much and have such an impact while also being a mother. Yeah. And I mean, she talks about it a little bit in her homecoming video about, you know, like she just had the twins and like getting her body back in shape. And like, I think she's amazing. I mean, being a mother is the best and most important and most challenging and most rewarding thing that I will ever do in my life. And I'm able to do other creative things and other good work because of that. And I think Beyonce really shows that. It's not that she's like a mother and a performer and they're two totally separate sides of her. It's that, you know, they fuel each other almost. So my last choice for most influential people in pop culture in the last 10 years is a little bit different. Um, He's not a celebrity, and that is Kevin Feige, who is the producer behind all of the Marvel films. And the reason I picked him is because I don't think that there is a single franchise of anything that has been as successful as the Marvel films in the last decade or going back a couple decades. I mean, the only thing that I can think of that might even come close is Harry Potter. But the fact that they were able to create so many movies that were so well received. I mean, there were a couple of duds here and there, but they all made so much money and people continue to want more. And all of that was a result of the work that Kevin Feige did as the head of Marvel Studios. There's been no person who's had a greater impact on film than Kevin Feige has in the last decade, because the face of film 
has changed forever at this point. And part of that is due to things like Netflix and Hulu, but a lot of it is to do with the rise of the superhero movies in the way that we see them now. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at the the Marvel Universe, it's like it's got something for everyone. There's different genres of superhero movies. They're they're racially diverse. They have women as stars, and then they all interweave with each other in a really smart way. So he's building this web. It's not even just like this linear progression. It's this web within like flashbacks and flash forwards, and everything is so intertwined that it's seamless to be able to get lost in that universe and just keep you know, consuming and consuming his movies. So I agree. I think he's incredibly influential. So I had a couple honorable mentions, and I think Maureen had one other one besides Beyonce. Who was your other honorable mention? My other one was Jimmy Fallon. He's one of those people who's taken, like, the idea of making something viral and putting it online, and he's really... I think he was the first person in sort of the late night space to, to take that on. So my other honorable mentions were Ellen DeGeneres, Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Shonda Rhimes, who is the creator of Grey's Anatomy and Scandal and How to Get Away with Murder. And then Bob Iger. Who's, Shonda Rhimes is a good one. Yeah. And she's also she's also has a huge Netflix deal coming yeah. up where she'll be producing a lot of content for them. And then my last one was Bob Iger, who is the CEO of, of Disney. And and that's, I you know, I thought about him instead of Kevin Feige, but, you know, I wanted to be a little bit more specific. But Disney in the last 10 years has purchased... Star Wars. They own all of that intellectual property. And they've also just recently purchased Fox. So now they have access to all of the X-Men characters. And basically, Disney is rolling in money. And a lot of it is because of Bob Iger. So anyway, we hope you like this conversation. If you have other thoughts on who might be on your list of the top three most influential people in pop culture, please let us know. We'd love to share some of your thoughts on the podcast next week. I'm really curious what other people think. This is so subjective. So this is just based on what Josh and I have seen and heard. And we're only two people in a very small cross-section of the population. So who have been your three most impactful people in the past 10 years? Like from where you're sitting in, from what your personal tastes in pop culture are, what do you think? Because I think it's a really interesting conversation that we'd love to continue having. All right, Maureen, let's move on to teasers. Why don't you give us your teaser for this week? My teaser is a movie called Long Shot. It stars Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen. And it is super silly. One might even say stupid silly, but it was fun and enjoyable and like, it was funny. It's really funny. It's definitely raunchier, a little bit dirtier. It's I think it's rated R. And it's completely unrealistic. But if you need like a good like date night movie, it's not a chick flick. But there are romantic elements. And it's really funny. So I think it appeals to both men and women. And yeah, check it out. I'd wait for it to come on to Redbox. But it's really enjoyable. I also really liked it. And I want to have a bigger conversation about rom-coms with Maureen in the future. This does not count as a rom-com. I do think it does. No, and the thing, 0%. The thing that I want to talk with Maureen about is that she often has these reactions where she's like, oh my gosh, that is so silly. Or that is so unrealistic. And yet, when she watches true rom-coms in which the plot and premise is incredibly silly and incredibly ridiculous, yes, she has no like such all, reaction. Yes, yes, yes. But you know what you're signing up for with those movies. I didn't know that I was signing... Like, this movie didn't So if you portray, knew ahead of time. This movie didn't portray itself or market itself as such. Yeah, I think it did. I think it did portray itself as pretty silly. Agree to disagree. All right, my teaser this week is a song, and this is by a guy named Cyrus Reynolds. The song is called Finder. I 
heard about this song because we watched the trailer for Little Women. The song appeared in the second half of the trailer and I heard it and I was like, man, that, I really like that song. I like the vibe of that song. So I looked through the YouTube comments to try to find out what the name of it was. And I found out it was this guy named Cyrus Reynolds and I found out the song on Spotify and I had it on loop at work one day because it's just really ethereal, has a good vibe, helped me get through some of my work. So I'll link it in the show notes. I think you might like it too. Check it out. All right, that'll do it for this week. Thanks so much for a great episode, Maureen. Thanks, everybody. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Talk to you then. You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash poppedcast. We would love to hear from you. You can also reach us by emailing thepoppedcast at vernacularpodcast.com. Please also subscribe, rate, and review our show on your podcast app of choice so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting cross-legged on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode. Bye, everybody. Bye. I was going to say, for some reason, I was trying to think of actors who can also sing. He has no part being Prince Eric, but I just kept going back to to James Corden. No. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> All I can picture him is in the Cats trailer.